I'm going to ask you to turn to Job chapter 1 with me today and just hold there for a little bit. I'll be coming to that portion of the Word of God. And uh, I want to read some, just a, two or three verses before to kind of let us know where I'm headed today. How many of you know that we have a new year in front of us and God's going to bless us for this coming year? I believe it. Can you say amen? And He, bless, he blesses obedience and faithfulness and I, I thank God for the promise of His Word. I want to share with you, though, something that's important. We're gonna, I'm going to turn to the book of Ephesians. I think it'll be on the screen. You don't have to turn. But I, want, I just want you to listen mostly as I tell you about what I, I know that we're dealing with in 2019. I'm reading from Ephesians 6. I'll be reading verse 10. Paul is talking about... Um, Families, husbands, wives, he talks about servants, and he talks about how we're supposed to live examples in this world while we're here. And then verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, those of us who are in the household of faith, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That may there is a positive it, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. It's not a doubt that you may be able, but that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. I want to declare from those few verses that in 2019, ladies and gentlemen, you and I as believers, we are involved in a spiritual war. We are. It may not be visible to the physical eye, but all of us know the pressures, all of us know the situations, all of us know the, the inside witness of the Spirit, in a sense what we're up against as we endeavor to live for the Lord. So I want to take that thought today and share with you something. It becomes imperative, and I want to do this on the first Sunday <coughs> excuse me, of the year that I have and tell you that it is imperative that you and I know our enemy. It's imperative that we know our enemy. As we begin this new year, I want to begin it on some solid bedrock that of truth. And I want us to see it, and I'm going to ask you to go to Job chapter 1. We'll be again reading there in a minute. I want to share with you up front this morning, this message is an intense message. It comes from a lot of personal experience. It comes for Satan attacking and coming in like a flood. I want to tell you, Satan will threaten everything about your life, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, even socially, materially. I want to, as we look at the book of Job today, I, this is Job's story it's a story by which you and I can take check in our own heart. Job's story is a test of our own faith. And here's the test, here's the question, Job, and to us, will we trust and obey, yes or no? It's just that simple. So today I want to do something like this. I want to expose our enemy. I want to tell you something about who he is, 
how he operates. And I want to share, share with you the word of God about how we should respond when we are attacked because we're with the same enemy who has the same destiny that attacked Job. Let me declare to you today there are multiplied millions who deny that Satan even exists. In our so-called learned institutions, there are so many people who no longer believe this Bible is viable, who also believe that Christianity is just one of many religions that get us somewhere where we're headed. They don't believe in a literal Satan. But let me note something to you in this book that is authored by God. He is taught and presented in seven of the Old Testament books. I mean Satan. And he is presented by every New Testament author in the New Testament. Every one of them. To add to that, Christ himself addressed Satan in the Gospels. Talked about him. And he even addressed him personally on the Mount of Temptation. And Jesus personally commanded this enemy. And he said, get behind me, Satan. You get behind me. Thank God for the authority in God. So I want to declare to you that Satan is not a figment of somebody's imagination. He is as real as you and me. And he is not only real, he is a formidable foe. He is called in names. I'm going to give you some in Scripture. He is called Satan, the devil, Beelzebub, Belial, the evil one, the ruler of this present world, the tempter, the prince of the power of the air, the god of this age, the accuser of the brethren, the serpent, the great dragon, a roaring lion. He's called Apollyon. He's called the age ruler of darkness. He's called Lucifer. And the names go on all through Holy Writ. There's something that I want us to note this morning for believers. There is no state of neutrality in the Christian life. What do you mean, Pastor? Let me say it like this. There, no one in the household of faith is allowed to go spiritually AWOL and escape this war that we're in. Satan is dedicated to see that he wars against you. I want to look forward to the day that when Christ has finished his kingdom and we're in the eternal kingdom and you and I no longer have to see through a veil as Paul taught us in 1 Corinthians. But that day we will no longer see through a glass darkly, but we will be spiritually enlightened and we will know God as he knows us today. That's going to be a great change. But when we get there, it's my concept, I believe we will be shocked and how much opposition we actually faced in this life at the hand of the devil. And we just somehow got accustomed to it till we, we categorized it as mere circumstance. 
I believe that when we get there and we see all that we encountered that this enemy brought against us, I think we will greatly, in a measurable way, appreciate and I believe we will absolutely glorify the Savior of our saving and how he labored in his sacrifice and through his Holy Spirit to do what Jude said, to be able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the Lord. And maybe you know I just covered a lot of scripture right there. So I want us to look at Job's life. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pry into our business today. Just want to warn you up front. Okay? Okay? Job one. Let's read. Verse six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him? around his household, and around all that he has on every side? Are you, you have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and reach all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is yours, only do not lay hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Father, may your spirit be very present in this place. May you anoint your word to our hearts. And Father, may it affect us, Lord, in our destination toward eternity. I pray it for Christ's glory. Amen. Some things I want us to know about our enemy and about ourselves but especially about the enemy. First of all, in verse 6, I want us to know that Satan is a fallen, angelic being. And we, we know that from other scripture, but he is a fallen, angelic being. I'm intrigued with in verse 6 where it says something like this. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. This indicates, ladies and gentlemen, it was just a routine occurrence. It gives us this picture that the sons of God, which were God's created angelic beings, who we know from other scripture, are his ministering spirits to all of us who are believers on planet earth. And they come presenting themselves before the throne of God every day with the idea that this, they are helping us, ministering to us, they are carrying out their assignments, and they are reporting in an accountable way to the Lord. And then on this just average routine occurrence, who shows up? Satan, let me remind you, was originally one of the created beings called an angel. He was one of them. The scripture teaches us that he was the most gifted one. That he was called the anointed cherub. 
Let me share with you that this enemy of my soul and yours has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions. He has a spirit body. He is the anointed cherub. And he rebelled against God. And because of his rebellion, he was cast out of heaven to earth. But however, for whatever reason, he maintained his right to the access to come before God. I have a big question that I think should be posed. The question is this. A God is holy. Our God is holy. He is pure. He is righteous. How is it now? And let me just tell you parenthetically that in the future, Revelation tells us that there will be a day when Satan is cast to earth and he is cast down forever and he will never appear before God again. How many of you know that's going to be a great day? But how is it now that this foul spirit that has caused all the evil and all the darkness, all the vile things that you and I know are cursed toward this planet. How can this foul spirit come into the presence of God Almighty again and again? The truth is, I have to be honest, I don't know. But I want to share something with you that are my thoughts. I want you to understand they're just my thoughts. I believe that the fact that Satan can still come before the presence of God shows that our God is merciful and it shows that he is just. And those are great attributes of an eternal father. Let me tell you, God's going to put it all in an even balance someday and no man will bring any railing accusation against absolute truth because that's what God is. But for now, he comes. And I believe it also shows that God has a plan. And as I mentioned a while ago, John in Revelation said that he is cast down and he will never enter the presence of God again. Oh, happy day. I'm looking forward to it. So, fallen angelic being. Secondly, but for a while, as we said, verse 6, now Satan has direct access to God. Verse 6 said, as we read it a while ago, also... Satan also came among them, the angels. I have a question. What is Satan doing? What is this enemy of my soul and yours doing? Let me share with you the answer to that question is in his name. Satan is called the accuser, the slanderer, the attacker, the adversary like a prosecutor bringing charges against us. And Revelation says in chapter 12, 10, that he brings railing accusations against you and me, every believer, day and night. He is relentless. And he brings these railing accusations unendingly. He tells before God our sins, our faults, our failures. Anything that he can find against us. But let me tell you something that shows us also. It shows us this. How desperately you and I as children of God need someone to represent us in that high court. And I want to share with you this morning. 
I am under the blood of Christ. And I thank God we have a counsel for the defense. The Lord declared that he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, pleading my case and yours on the behalf of his blood. Well, don't you think we ought to be happy about that? Amen. So Satan has direct access to God. But we have representation also. Number three, verse seven. We need to know that Satan stalks earth for his prey. He stalks humanity seeking, the scripture says, whom he may devour, destroy. I want you to know that what I'm about to say is important. So follow me. God asked a question. Satan came with the rest of the angels. Although he was fallen, he appeared before the presence of God. And God asked a question. Where did you come from? From where do you come? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Because I know a father, my heavenly father, says he is omniscient. He knows everything. He is omnipresent. He is present at all times, and he knows it all. Why in the world would God ask Satan, from where did you come? I want to declare to you that that question was not given from God to Satan to get information. That question was asked to elicit a testimony. In essence, God had brought Satan to a deposition. And you're going to go down on record. So Satan had to enter a record in heaven of what he's doing. So he must answer. And he says, I'm going to and fro of the earth. So let me declare to you this. Satan is alive and well on planet earth today. And without God, you're no match for him. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, He is roaming like a roaring lion seeking. With intensity seeking. So I want to say to every adult and every parent, every person in this room, this roaring lion is after you. He is after your children. He's after your grandchildren. He is after your marriage. He is blinding minds of intelligent people. He is opposing God's word. He is spreading false doctrines. He is attacking your faith. He is persecuting believers all over this planet. He is stalking this earth. He is deceiving nations. And he has your scent. And I will tell you plainly, you will have a head-on meeting with him. Well, let's shout to the Lord. And in this late hour, let me declare something. He's declared war on the household of faith. The scripture says he knows, but he has a short time. And so let me declare to you in 2019, the more you stand for God, the greater the battle is going to be. But stand we can, because the scripture declares we have been given everything to be successful spiritually on this earth. Thank you, Lord. Verse 8. And point number five is this. We need to know that Satan is limited. Say praise the Lord. Satan is limited. 
Let me tell you how. He is limited by the absolute sovereignty of God and by God's supreme absolute authority. God will have, does have, and always will have the final say. Young people, mom and dad, let me declare to you, life is not a tug of war between two equal powers. Satan is no match for God. Only God is sovereign. And the reason I said that he allows Satan to come and do some of those things is strictly because God is a just God. You don't hear, I hadn't preached like this in a long time, but we need it. Verse 8 says, watch this. This just absolutely is amazing. God said to this enemy who showed up, have you considered my servant Job? I, look at this scene. Angelic host reporting to the Lord and accountability. This foul spirit shows up in the presence of God. And God put him on record, what are you doing? Going to and fro from the earth. God says, have you considered my servant Job? I want us to note something important here. It is God who threw Job's name into the ring. Not Satan. God issues a challenge to Satan, and he points to Job. I want to tell you something. God wants to use your life to challenge and destroy what the enemy's doing in your life. And why? 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 Then God gives us the answer. So young people, mom and dad, hear it. Hear the answer. Here's what God said. Have you considered Job my servant? And here's what he said. There is none like him on the earth. Job is God's Exemplary man. And he gives four descriptions of his example of being a genuine believer. I'll go through them quickly. God said about Job, he is blameless. It means he's beyond reproach. No viable charge can be laid against this man. That's saying quite a bit. Can God say that about you? Because he's our example text. He's our example book. Blameless. Secondly, he said this man is upright. It means he's straight. His reputation is noted. It means he stays on the narrow path. Straight is the gate. Upright. Thirdly, God said he fears God. You know what that means? That means God took Job seriously. He had a reverential awe, a tremendous respect and an awe of God. In, in my vernacular, this means lift the hood of, of Job's heart. He possessed God's wisdom. He kept God's commandments. He kept God's priorities. He gave God the first fruits. He did exactly what God wanted. And he said he shuns evil. That means he's obedient. Here it is. We read it several times through the scripture. Here's the bottom line. Whatever Job had belonged to God. 
His heart, his mind, his soul, his body, his possessions, everything. In, jo- in John chapter 4, 1 John 4, 11, let me share with you this morning before I go further. The scripture declares, greater is he that's within you than he that's within this world. Don't you dare leave this place fearing Satan. You leave this place fearing God because he's the one to whom you will give an account. The message for 2019, ladies and gentlemen, young people, is this. Please hear this. I tried to write it. I wrote it. I don't know how many ways. Here it is. Here it is. Will you let God have you and all that he has given you to the extent that he can defeat the devil in your life? Will you let God have you in all that he has given you to the extent that he can defeat the devil in your life? Don't forget he's a devourer. He's the accuser. That's what our obedience boils down to. Let me go to number five. It's in verse nine. Know this, that Satan is cunning and shrewd. He's the created angel of light, which means he has great knowledge. Let me tell you something. Satan has a brilliant mind. A brilliant mind. And in this place, let's not forget, look at this scene where these questions have been made and answers have been given. I wonder in his brilliance and in his thinking if Satan had been waiting in a sense, looking for an opportunity to speak these words. And I, 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 look at, I look at this, do you not look at the audacity of the enemy to address God? So, so catch, the, catch the power of these words. I don't know what, I don't know what the, the sound of the words were like, but here is Satan. He comes to God and says... Does Job fear God for nothing? Catch the impact of that question. One author I read said there's a rock in that snowball. Does Job fear God for nothing? I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, when we stand before God, all the pretenses are going to be gone. In this question, does God, does Job fear God for nothing? In that question, Satan is insinuating something about both God and Job. He's insinuating about the Holy Father and this evil fallen being. To Job, he is saying this. You will serve God only in good times. That's the accusation. He insinuates that that he's serving God only because of the benefits. And he's insinuating that God is doing this. And hear this. This is important in our time. He is insinuating and saying, God, you are having to buy worshipers in the marketplace of prosperity. People are serving you because of everything they can get out of you. 
I want to read verse 10. Listen to this. Here's, here's the scene. Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, around all that he has on every side? Have you blessed, you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. He's saying to Job, you serve God only in good times. He's saying, God, you're having to buy his worship. Here's the scene. Here's what's really going on. And it goes on in my life and yours. An invisible hand of God has protected, nourished, kept cared for, supplied for, and blessed in abundance. This man, his marriage, his family, and because of his obedience, he has given him great possessions. He's the example of how God wants to treat his people who keep him first. And all the while, Satan is spying all about Job's life. And he's trying to find a crack in Job's faith. Looking for any place where he can make an accusation or attack that man. And now he says something like this. God, you have blessed him. And that's the only reason he worships. Here's what he said. You, God, have been good, too good to him. You've been too good to him. And I love what I read from an author, Dr. Lawson. He made an observation that I think is worth our consideration. He says, Satan is smart. He's intelligent. And he makes the observation that the last time we heard from Satan was over in Genesis 3 when he came to seduce Eve and eventually, of course, Adam. This time he said to Eve and eventually to Adam, here's the issue. God is holding out on you. See this tree? If God's a good God and He really loves you like He says He does, and young people, mom, dad, don't miss this. He's saying to Job, God, you're too good to him. Here at Adam and Eve, He said, God, you're holding out on him. He's saying, if God really loved you, He would give you everything you desire. I want to stop and say, parents, don't you dare give everything to your children they want. Not everything's good for them. Well, that went like over like a pork chop in a synagogue, but it's true. Especially with the younger kids. Not everything's good for you. You don't need everything you think you need. Amen. God was saying to Adam and Eve, here, here, here's Satan Speaking to them, God's holding out on you. 
If he really loved you, he'd give you everything you want. You could have life the way you want it. It's your life. You could live it any way you want to. And nobody has a right to tell me anything about anything I think, say, or do. On and on and on. I just wanted to declare to you that's not true. But that's what Satan is trying. He'd give you everything. But watch this. God was saying at the same time to Adam and Eve, there is great peace. There is tremendous joy. There is an innocent wonder in being naive towards sin and evil. That's why children for a few years should be allowed to be children and naive about a lot of things in this world. But Satan is seeing to it that our children have very little childhood. Ladies and gentlemen, this couple was living in paradise. And the devil pointed to the one thing they didn't have. All, you've heard me say before, the message of the garden, the whole world, every blade of grass, every leaf on a tree, every sun, moon, star, everything was, I love you, 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 I love you in 10 billion trillion ways. But there was one thing, one tree. And Satan says he's holding out on you. There's one thing you don't have. And God was saying, I'm holding from you this. An evil and guilt-producing conscience. That's what God was holding from them. Because they knew no sin. There was no guilt. There was no vileness. There was no evil. And their conscience wasn't riddled by all the darkness and the vileness of what this fallen enemy wanted to bring on this world. So to Adam and Eve, he said, Satan said, God's holding out on you. And then to God later with Job, you're too good to him. Here's the enemy playing both sides, hoping to pit man against God and God against man. He's a persuader. He convinced one-third of the entire angelic host to rebel against heaven with him. And they were all cast to the earth. Let me declare to you that this same devil who persuaded a third of the angelic beings and has persuaded multiple millions and trillions of people thus far. He can and does today make men call evil good and call good evil. So now, here's the jugular. He is shrewd and diabolical. I want you to listen to what I'm going to call the invitation of the devil. He's inviting God with an invitation, verse 11. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. 
can you sense the intensity of that invitation? But let me stop and say about that this. Ladies and gentlemen, there are times when we will be questioned about where is our faith and what do we believe and where will we stand. And Satan will take your spiritual legs out from under you and he will bring storms and doubt clouds and he will absolutely try to unnerve you in every way he can as a believer. But I want to stop and just tell you something. This is really what our life is about and I tried to write it the best I could that would be succinct and hit us. Let me tell you something. When Satan comes in like a flood and he tries to destroy everything about us, even pitting one of us against the other and against God and he tries to get God against us, when all this comes and when you hear bad news and everything comes against you, here's the issue. Here's the issue. Will you whine or will you worship? There's no sugar on that. It just says this. Will you whine or will you worship? And when I say the word whine, I'm not talking about going and not getting some Christian help or not confiding in some people that you trust. But our response is important. Which brings us to number six. In verse 12, Satan, know this, that he has great power over circumstances. So understand this. Our world cries every time there's something that goes wrong. Well, if God's a God, why would he do this? Why would he do this? Why would he do this? Why would he allow this? Why would he do this? All those kind of things. I want to declare to you that he is considered the prince and the power of this age. He's the age ruler of darkness on this planet. And the reason he is because Adam and Eve gave him the authority that God had given Adam and Eve. So don't blame God for the evil on this planet. God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of death. That came because Adam and Eve said, we'll serve you. I don't have to defend God, but let's get it straight. Because our world today, in its reasoning, in its, in its entire no knowledge of God's word, they say, well, why does God kill all these people? Why does he bring Jehovah? Why does he do all that? All that is summed up in the fact that Adam and Eve allow. Listen, let's go back to the book of beginnings. God said, I give you control, authority. This earth I created for you. Enjoy it. Do anything you want to with it, Adam. I give you the total authority. And Satan came and stole it. And now he wrecks it all to get back at God. Don't blame my heavenly father. And sin and death and destruction are straight out of the pit of hell because Satan has control of these circumstances. Verse 12 says, listen to what God said in return. Satan said, he just serves you because what you give him. You're too good for him. Verse 12 says this, Behold, God said in response, Behold, be aware, all that he has, all that he has, all that he has, it all boils down to what you hold as truly valuable in your life. All that he has, all that he has is in your power. God said, all that he has is in your power. That's quite a statement. And he goes on to say, only. And let me just 
move ahead quickly. God drew a line. He literally said, Satan, you can go this far and no more. He drew a sovereign line in the spirit world and in the physical world. Verse 12 goes on to say, so watch this. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Don't miss this. Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And in my concept, because I read it, I'll buzz through a few verses here for you. You can go back and read it. Suddenly, I see it. Satan left the presence of God. He winged his flight through the universe and the stars and the sun and the moon. And he knew exactly where Job lived. And he zeroed in on the contest God had put out there. In verses 13 through 19 says something like this, lightning and fire came and destroyed the animals and all of his servants. And Satan had filled the hearts of two different groups of people, other national meet evil men to murder all of his servants and steal all of his livestock. A severe storm spawned by the ruler of darkness crushed Job's home. And killed his children. And all these messengers lined up in a line one after another. And suddenly everything Job had was gone. I want you to hear me. Ladies and gentlemen, I ache inside to the core of my entire being. To watch what this filthy Satan is doing to conjure up evil in the hearts of men and women today like never before all over the Middle East and all over the Arab nations and all over the Far East and all over North and South America and in every location on planet Earth, our world is under siege with this enemy stirring evil and hatred and violence. Look at Oklahoma City itself. Every day somebody dies. Being murdered. Our unborn children are being murdered. We're sending drugs to our young people. We're destroying the very thing we love the most. And this nation boasts in its evil. I want to declare something God said. If you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Our military and certainly our law enforcement deal with it every day. Because this filthy enemy has a lot of power over circumstances. Lastly, we'll share this with you. Number seven is in verse 20. I want to declare to you, know this, that Satan is defeated by our faith. I started with saying we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against spirit powers. We are, Satan is defeated by our faith. Watch this. I'm going to read verse 20. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground. And fell to the ground. I believe now Satan, having watched his life all these years, looking for that crack in his faith, and now we approach God and God made a contest of it. And Job has laid his finger on everything this man has ever had. 
I believe Satan prepares his ears to hear the anticipated cursing of God's name. He declared he will curse you to your face. And I want to share with you that there have been thousands and countless millions of others who have blasphemed the name of God in far less circumstances. Millions have millions and billions of people today take God's name in filthy, foul language and add the words, damn it, after it. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Satan will always try to get us to misuse the name of God. But I want you to hear this. This man fell to the ground, and here's what he said, verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, <coughs> and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. The next word thrills me from my core. Blessed! Be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Regardless. You know why? Because everything he had, everything he was, everything about him was centered. The fact that God is first place. Instead of cursing him, he magnifies the name of God. So I'm going to hit us hard now. I'm going to hit us hard. Christian, parent, church, preacher, leaders. When things don't go well, when you're under attack of the enemy, and he stripped everything that you have from your life, that it's the greatest opportunity you have to say. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will share this with you. The scripture says, guard your heart out of the issues of life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's a heart issue. Let me declare to you there's something that's true. You can't hide it. That's what our judgment's going to be. Not, not heaven or hell if we're covering the blood, but we're going to have a judgment. And everything we've done is going to be brought into the light. And whatever comes out of your mouth or your spirit comes out of what you treasure. Luke 12 and 34 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if everything comes out of the heart, I want to tell you something. You will not be all disobedient to the Lord with your tithing, with your talent, with all your abilities. You will not be disobedient to the Lord in all the things he requires and have your spirit declare, blessed be the name of the Lord. I love you enough to tell you the truth. My wife and I struggled as a young couple. We knew what it was to not have anything when we started marriage. We rented a $55 a little old bitty house and we had a couch and a table and a bed propped up with bricks. And the Lord said, give me your tithe. And we gave him our tithe. 
But I know people who say, well, we're young married. We don't have anything. We can't afford to pay our tithes. And just understand, I'm not talking about just that. I'm talking about the heart. And then, well, we have children. We can't afford to give the tithe now. And then the children get up and graduate. Well, now, Pastor, we have to prepare for, we have to prepare for retirement. Really? All these years, the truth is, you haven't brought God the first fruits. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you because I love you, out of your heart, where the treasure is, you're living selfishly and you're robbing God. And let me tell you this, man and wife, God expects both your income to be tied, not just one. It's just a quick message on giving. Excuse it all you want to and try to put it by God. But when the pressure comes, you will not bless the name of the Lord. Are you serving God for what you get out of Him? Or is He the thing in your life? If it is, you will put Him first. You will put Him first. I will declare to you something, Christ's legacy. We could pay this building off and build the building we need so badly for students and gatherings, this whole church, if everybody would just put God first. We could. You said, Pastor, who are you talking about? That's between you and the Lord. But it's true. So let's do some other meddling while I'm at it. I told you it's intense. I just want to tell you, I don't buy your excuse and neither will the Father. Because all of our works, everything that we have and everything that we possess and everything that we own, look at it, it was and all he had and all he had and all he had. Here, watch this. Let's don't miss this. The line that God drew spiritually and physically was in all he had. And when he lost it all, Job hadn't lost anything. Because God owned it all already. I know messages like this aren't popular anymore. And we're on Facebook. And I probably will be the most popular pastor in town this week. But when life's threatened, when, when, when there's a question about your mortality, your values start changing. A few years ago, I got some bad news about my physical being. And it shook me. I just want to tell you, every once in a while, pastor gets bad news too. The other day, I got some bad news. I want to tell you this. <laughs> if, you think this if you think this book is it absolutely real and true? The first thing I went to was this. I want my kids, I want my grandkids, and I want my church to know this. All this stuff we get all excited about, all the stuff we worry about doesn't matter. What matters is God first place in our lives. That's what matters. My first thoughts went to what Jesus said. Don't worry about the day. Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. And he said, don't worry. Don't worry. Because what can you add to it or take from it because you worry? And I just said, Lord, years ago I said, here it is. 
I tried to do my own thing. I wanted to be a star. I wanted to make fortunes. I wanted fame and fortune. But, but when I lost, when I lost a lot of things, things, stuff, when my wife was at the point of death, I didn't know if I'd keep her or not. I laid down in my living room floor because we had just bought a new house because that was what was important. And God's not against houses and cars. But it better not be at his expense because priorities aren't right. I threw myself in that new formal living room that I'd never had before on brand new carpet. Been in that house about three or four months. And I was a young man about 25 I threw myself down on that celery, pretty shiny carpet. And I said to my father, whatever it is you want in my life, whatever there is about the cost, whatever there is, I lay my soul down. That song we sang, Henry, a while ago, with my arms wide open, but with your heart wide open, I said, Lord, here I am. I'm scared to death of what you want me to do. But I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. I don't know how good I've been at it. I, do, I don't know how. Because the, the same God that loved me enough to call me also said this, don't compare yourselves one with the other. But this is what I can't say. I, I want God to be first in my life. Let, let's look at Job and I'm through. He had three, actually four, so-called comforters who said, let me tell you the real problem here, Job. You're not spiritual enough. You didn't do this right. You didn't do this and did all that. Of course, God said that he's the most upright man on the earth and said they're all speculating. And when Job got to his worst time, as if that wasn't enough, he got physically hit with leprosy. Elephantiasis was the disease. And the scripture says that not many weeks later, he was required to be in the garbage pit and he sat with with leprosy on his skin and took pieces of broken pots and scraped the wounds to give him some relief from pain. And his wife appeared to him and said, why don't you curse God and die? Can I, can I put an emphasis on that just like Satan thought you would? Why don't you curse God and die? And that boiled, covered God lover even looked at the love of his life and said, Though God himself slay me, yet will I trust him. Later on, he made this profession. Though my body die and decay and the skin worms eat it up, he said, this I know, I shall in my flesh stand before my Redeemer. <laughs> it's back up. Now hear it. Have you considered my servant Job?
I got to ask us in 2019, this year, is God going to be able to count on us? Have we qualified ourselves to say, Lord, here I am? Or are we just going to love life so much and all of its pretties and its intricacies and big TVs and cars and all of the things that we have which amount to nothing in the eternal view? Are we just going to keep putting that first and loving life until we're afraid of death? We're so afraid of death that we'll do anything to shun it. Don't misunderstand me. I want to live as long as I can. But I want to know that when I draw that last breath, he has always been first in my life. I told you this is an intense message. But it's a needed message to our society. And I may not have a person in this room love me, but I know this, my Redeemer does. I know better. <laughs>